It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. And you can find all of the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. It is the Monday after week eight. We are heading into week Nine, where the Green Bay Packers will play the Detroit Lions on Monday night football. So still another full week before we get to see the Packers in action. We hope the bye week was well spent for this team because they were an offense that looked very much in disarray against the New Orleans Saints. And although I think the defense played better than than Packer fans are saying right now, uh, there were it was leaky. And that needs to get buttoned up. Now, the good news is the Packers could be as close to fully healthy as they've been all season at positions not quarterback. And that will be important because we saw on Sunday night, the Detroit Lions played the Pittsburgh Steelers as tough as as you can play them without actually beating them. In fact, they put up 483 yards of offense on Pittsburgh, who had one of the best defenses in football. They were allowing only 147 yards per game coming into Sunday. And they give up, you know, 400 plus to Matthew Stafford. Now, the problem for the Lions was they went over five in the red zone. They kicked five field goals. They had two fourth down stops where they failed to, to punch it in. And this was the best offensive showing Detroit has had from, from a big play standpoint by far. This is one of, on a per play basis, the Lions have one of the worst offenses in football. And the offense has not looked good for most of the year. It has been very stop and start, very sputtering. The run game has not gotten on track at all, but they've returned two punts for touchdowns. They've scored defensively. They've created a ton of turnovers, and they did against Pittsburgh. They created a fumble. They had an interception. They won the turnover battle and still lost this game. They won the yardage battle and still lost this game. So what does that mean heading into a game against the Packers? Well, it means it's going to be tough. Even at home, with the extra time, it's going to be difficult. The Lions are a solid team. Now, we don't know what the health status of the Lions are going to be. They're dealing with injuries at, at left tackle. Ricky Wagner was hurt in, uh, in the Lions game. He came back, but we don't know how, how that injury is going to play out over the course of the week. So this is going to be a banged-up offensive line that held up against a Pittsburgh defense that can get after the quarterback. So Nick Perry, Clay Matthews, 
Ahmad Brooks needs to get healthy. Those guys are going to have to step up if they want to contain this Lions offense. Now, the good news is the Lions aren't a good red zone offense. So that helps, except that the Packers are 30th in red zone defense. They've allowed touchdowns on almost 74% of red zone drives. Only Miami and Cleveland have been worse. And, And Green Bay is closer to Cleveland at 32 than they are to Washington at 29. Those numbers were coming into this week. This red zone defense has to has to get better. Has to get better. You would hope with the, the return of Morgan Burnett potentially that that would happen. But we'll see. Now the interesting thing is as you look around the NFC, the Philadelphia Eagles look like clearly the best team in the conference. They're 7-1. and They pummel the San Francisco 49ers. And they clearly have the not just the inside track to the one seed, but, but they are the best team in the conference right now. The Minnesota Vikings won an uninspiring game in London against the Cleveland Browns, a game that, that Cleveland was winning for, for much of the game, and it took a second-half collapse from Deshaun Kaiser and the Browns to, to give the Vikings the victory. Those are the only two teams in the NFC that Green Bay is not within a game of in the win column. The Saints are 5-2, and two, the Panthers are 5-3, and three, the Seahawks are 5-2. and two. The Rams are five and two. And here's something that, that's critical that I'm that needs to be pointed out. The Packers, I know it seems like Aaron Rodgers playing for them was was ages ago now, but they have wins over the Dallas Cowboys and the Seattle Seahawks. If you still have faith in this team to win games, to get to eight, nine, potentially ten wins, and and I do, and I've I've said that over and over that I still believe in this team then the wins against Dallas and Seattle that Aaron Rodgers helped secure loom large because now the Packers have the same record with Dallas, but they have the head-to-head tiebreaker for the playoffs. And if something screwy were to happen and the Rams were to somehow win the NFC West, Green Bay would have the tiebreaker for the wild card with Seattle. Now, the division is very much still up in the air. Green Bay is only a game and a half back of Minnesota. They still have a Vikings game in Lambeau. Aaron Rodgers may or may not be back for that game. And at this point, I don't know what to make of the report of the screws. Do we need to talk about the screws? Aaron Rodgers told Conan O'Brien he had 13. Yeah, I said that. Conan O'Brien told Conan O'Brien. Newsbreaker, noted NFL newsbreaker Conan O'Brien, that he had 13 screws put in his, in his collarbone. We don't know the nature of the break. We don't know the nature of the surgery. We don't know why they put so many screws in. Eight-ish is normal. They don't know. We don't know if it's because the plate was longer, if it's because there were two plates. Is it because it was a, it was, there's multiple breaks? We don't know the answers to any of these questions. And so it feels almost useless to talk about because we don't know the reasons behind what happened. So it's almost pointless to talk about what happened and what it might mean because we don't know. Anything we say is basically just baseless speculation. He had more screws put in his collarbone than is normal. That is all we know. It could mean the injury is is worse than we think. It could have just been for extra stability so that he can get back on the field sooner. The surgery was supposed to fast track the recovery and get him back on the field. We don't know at this point what the number of screws has to do with his recovery. We don't know. There's been no new reporting on his timeline. There, are, there were conflicting reports to begin with. So we shall see when it comes to the return of Aaron Rodgers. But there are plenty of games on this, on this schedule left that the Packers can and should win. 
Tampa Bay looked awful again. They come to Lambeau. The Packers have two games against Detroit. They look solid. The Bears lost to the Saints in a game that they fought to the end in. It took a Marshawn Lattimore interception on the final drive to secure that win. The Bears' defense is legit. And they didn't play well against Aaron Rodgers, but they're not going to have to face Aaron Rodgers the second time they play in, in just about two weeks. Now, the Packers will play the Carolina Panthers in Carolina later in the year. A game that I, I don't know what to make of at this point. They, they beat Tampa Bay, but they didn't look particularly good doing it on Sunday. This is a team that at times looks awful and at times looks amazing. They beat New England in New England. Last week, they lost to the Bears by two touchdowns and only scored three points. So are they good? I don't know. And that's the thing about the NFC is I, I don't know who's good. Seattle got lit up by a rookie quarterback on Sunday. And I know Deshaun Watson is a unique quarterback. He is a unique player. One of my favorite players to come out of the draft in, in the last few years. But that defense is leaky. It is leaky. All of this is to say the NFC is wide open. And Green Bay is still very much in control of its destiny. As of this minute, between now and December 17th, I said this last week, so there was the stat last week was the Packers only played one team between now and, and December 17th when Aaron Rodgers is first able to come back off the IR. The Packers only played one team with a winning record, and that was the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Carolina Panthers would be that December 17th game. They are 5-3. and three. But all those other teams on the list have not gotten above 500. The Ravens won, but they're still just 4-4. Four and four. The Browns are 0-8. The Bears lost. The Lions lost. The Buccaneers lost. These are winnable games on the schedule. Other than the Pittsburgh game. So, so even if, if Aaron Rodgers does not come back this season, there is only one game on the schedule that I would say the Packers... Not that they couldn't win, they certainly could. But I would say significantly more likely than not, the Packers would not win, and that is at Pittsburgh. Every other game, they have at worst a 50-50 chance to win. At Carolina is going to be tough, and at Detroit is going to be tough. So even if those, if those are the three games they lose, it's 10 wins. Which means they can't lose a stupid one like at Chicago. They need to beat, they need to beat Detroit this week. I guess it's next week, technically. But the NFC is there for them to grab. And we're going to see what changes. Obviously, some things need to change. The offense needs to change. It needs to adapt. You look at what, what Bill O'Brien has done for Deshaun Watson in Houston, and you just say, if he can adapt an offense on the fly for Deshaun Watson, someone as smart as Mike McCarthy should be able to adapt an offense for Brett Huntley. And so we'll see how willing to adapt Mike McCarthy is. How stubborn is he going to be? We heard the play. The playbook is going to, to shrink. Does that mean no new installs? Does that mean not adapting things for Brett Hundley, for what he does well, what he likes to do? Because that's bad coaching. It is Mike McCarthy's job to put this team in the best position for it to win. And one other thing. I am, I'm not going to weigh in on whether or not I think Dom Capers should be fired because I, I just think it's in poor taste. Um to call for someone to be fired, generally speaking. And what I will say is, watching the Pittsburgh Steelers defense adapt over the last few years, get younger, get faster, 
and do that with a new defensive coordinator, moving on from a longtime, historic, all-time great defensive coordinator. The Steelers moved on from Dick LeBeau a couple years ago, and their defense has gotten better. If the Steelers can move on from Dick LeBeau, one of the most storied assistant coaches in NFL history and, and an integral part of the Pittsburgh fabric, if, if the Steelers can move on from Dick LeBeau, the Packers can move on from Dom Capers. Again, I am not saying they should fire him. I'm saying if it's possible for Pittsburgh to do it, it shouldn't. Green Bay should not stand on loyalty. This defense needs to start performing at a higher level than it's performing. But here's the problem, and I was having this discussion with Danny Kelly from The Ringer the other day. Who are you going to get? Okay, you want a new coach. Who's it going to be? All of the hot coaching names out there got head coaching jobs last year, which means there's not a ton of assistants that are moving up the ranks. The great defenses, Seattle's defensive coaching staff has been fully rated. Dan Quinn is a head coach now. Seattle's current defensive coordinator is probably not leaving for another defensive coordinator job. He's going to get a head coaching job. Gus Bradley is coaching his ass off in San Diego. As a defensive coordinator, he's not going to, he's not going to change venues for a lateral move. So who are you going to go get? I don't know. Knowing the Packers, they'd probably promote Winston Moss or Darren Perry or Joe Witt because that's just what they do. I said this before the Saints game. We're going to learn a lot about this coaching staff in the next few weeks. Between now and December 17th, we're going to learn a lot about this coaching staff. Mike McCarthy is going to have to earn his title as an offensive guru. He is a good football coach. He needs to go prove it. And there is a ton of defensive talent. I'm so I'm so sick of the spoiled Packer fans in my Twitter mentions and on talk radio complaining about the talent on this roster. This is a talented football team. They are not playing well enough. There's too much talent on this team for them to be playing as inconsistently as they are. Aaron Rodgers or no Aaron Rodgers. They need to play better. I've, I've gotten on McCarthy a lot. I got on him a lot after the Saints game. But this team needs to play better. And they have the opportunity, with a lot of rest and a lot of time to game plan, to get their asses in gear. And they need to do it. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store one thing we need to talk about before we get out of here um, is martellus bennett over the weekend on instagram announced that he is going to retire after the end of this season He posted, uh, after conversations with my family, I'm pretty sure 
These next eight games will be the conclusion of my NFL career. To everyone who has poured themselves and time into my life and career, these next games are for you. Thank you. I think this season has made it clear, and I don't, I don't mean to be callous about it, but Martellus Bennett is clearly not the player that he was in his physical prime. I think it was pretty clear last year. Physically, he was declining. That was true of his last year in, in Chicago as well. And I think it's manifesting itself in other ways now. I think he's he's lost his confidence a little bit. That's why you're seeing the drops. I mean, just blatant, easy drops. He's not what he used to be. And, and frankly, he has been a downgrade over Jared Cook this year. I think Lance Kendricks needs to be a bigger part of this offense. And I, I hope he will be. He can be a move tight end. He can make things happen. We've seen it in flashes this year. I understand Martellus Bennett brings this dimension of being able to block, and so in the run game, he can be a useful piece, and he was. I mean, he sprung Aaron Jones' long touchdown run last week. What I'm hoping for is Martellus Bennett is is an extremely smart, funny, cerebral, creative dude. And so I hope that, that his next endeavors are fulfilling for him. Because I think it's clear that that you know, football is is not at the top of his priority list, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Even he's clearly passionate about a lot of things. He's been he's been active and vocal as an activist this season, and I know that's that's rubbed some Packer fans the wrong way. There's a lot of things that Martellus Bennett could be putting his talents, his time, and his resources into, and I hope he finds the things that make him happy doing it. And Look, I, I think we have to accept the reality that players are going to be playing for shorter periods of time. The The specter of head injuries is real. Players are concerned about it. They're worried about it. And someone as smart as Martellus Bennett knows that he is putting his brain at risk every time he takes the field. And if he does want to have a post-football career, which clearly he does, then he can. he only has so many hits that he can take. And and maybe the, the Aaron Rodgers injury has something to do with it. Maybe that, that puts something into perspective for him. He's out there playing on a team that he knows is, is not a Super Bowl contender anymore. So why is he doing it? Does he want to go through this all over again on the chance that he could be catching passes from Brett Hundley again next year? And maybe he decided, no, I'm, d- I'm good, I'm out. And that's fine. He has plenty of games left to have a productive season in Green Bay. I think you're going to see the Packers try and get him more involved in the offense. I would like to see him get more involved in the offense. I wish we would have had more time with Martellus Bennett, the football player. He was a little bit of a late bloomer on the field. He hit his stride in, in Chicago and became this dominating force, and then injuries happened. He got a little older. The athleticism started to go. He's He's a big dude. He is legitimately 6'7", 280. That's a lot of wear and tear on a body, especially for someone who blocks as hard as he does. And his his body broke down, and he just... It's pretty clear with his play this year that it's just... The tank is is heading toward E. And I respect him for saying, look, I'm, I'm just... There's other things that I want to do. This isn't for me anymore. Okay, the Packers are back. It is week nine. Lions travel to Lambeau Field on Monday Night Football... For the Brett Hundley experience with a week, extra week to prepare, we're going to have Chris Burke on this week from The Athletic, formerly my colleague at Sports Illustrated. We're going to have Ed Fang from The Power Rank, who is a really smart guy to talk a little bit of uh, analytics. He does a lot of cool stuff with numbers, and I wanted to dig into it a little bit to, to 
try and figure out how much Aaron Rodgers is worth. How much can we, can we quantify? And so I'm really looking forward to that discussion. So we, we may mix around the schedule a little bit. I think we're going to go to five, five shows a week now. That's just going to be the norm. So expect shows Monday through Friday during the season. During the offseason, we may, we may pare it down Monday through Thursday. A lot happened, but the Packers are still right in the mix after week eight. Still four and three. I told you after the Saints game, they are right in it. They have the same record as the Dallas Cowboys. I know it doesn't feel like it, but they do. They are right in it. So we have a lot to talk about, a lot to break down as we as we head into real football returning, which means you need to stay locked on Packers.